What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Powder and Loam Podcast. I'm your host, Gil, and on today's episode, I've got my friends Scott, Connor, and Colin with me to talk about beginner mountain biking. A couple of them have just started mountain biking within the last couple of months, so I wanted to hear from their perspective what's been fun, what's been hard, and maybe some tips or tricks or some gear that they found useful in their startup. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at Powder and Loam, or check us out on the website, www.powderandloam.com. Okay, so so we're all here to talk about beginner mountain biking, because we've got our friends Scott and Connor here, who... You guys really started mountain biking like what? Like the last two, three months? Saw, dudes. Yeah, like three months. Okay. And then we've also got Colin here. The uh, You're practically a co-host now. I mean. But Basically. I mean, without me, what what is powder and loam? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right? the mascot. You you're powder, I'm your... loam. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so to start, like... Why why did you guys start mountain biking? Well, I I'll probably jump in and say like I started when I was actually like not just recently 3 months I guess I'm back quote seriously doing it the last 3 months but I started when I was like 10 we do like intermountain bike races across Utah just me my dad and my brother. Um and that was kind of like my first foray into mountain biking and then I guess life gets busy and you forget about it. And then yeah, started it back up recently and I think number one, just for fitness. Number two, because of the virus situation, only time to be outside with my friends. And then it's just a, a, a rewarding workout because you get to have fun on the way down. Yeah. What about Scott? Like, uh, I was a total grom growing up. So I, across the street from my house, we had this empty lot that my parents had. And we used to build like booters and kickers and we get massive like three inches of air off of it. It was sweet. Colin, like Napoleon Col- Dynamite jumps. Yeah. Colin was our actual, our designated filmer. It was good stuff. We had a lot of good footy from there. But then, uh, yeah, really just in the past um, with the whole virus situation, all the gyms shut down, everything shut down. So the only outlet was to go outside, even though it was still early March and still kind of cold. Out Outside was a good way to go because that was the only place to go. So, yeah, mountain biking it was. So... With that, like, how, before you started mountain biking, how did you view mountain biking? Was it like, oh, it's a bunch of dudes in spandex, or there's these jerrys out there, or it's like, it's all Red Bull Rampage. Like, how did you view mountain biking as more or less an outsider? Yeah, no, I think just because of being in northern Utah, there's a lot of genres just like you're saying but i just hated it kind of from growing up just because the uphill was such a grind out i've always enjoyed the downhill aspect of it felt just like skiing but the uphill was just super super annoying and i i yeah. disliked it so how did i view it i just thought it was kind of a pointless hobby to to push uphill so much for a little bit of fun downhill and then i i didn't have any control coming downhill so i'd literally get wrecked every time coming downhill so i just had a little bit of spite over the whole thing so yeah yeah, it's probably different to Scott because I think the probably just the opposites actually. I viewed it as a fitness activity 
for going uphill for other sports like skiing, like soccer. Mm-hmm. It was like a thing we did on the side to train for everything else. And then you got rewarded with the downhill. You know, your, your, your workout was fun as opposed to road biking, in my opinion, is just like it's constant pain. And then I guess you just get to go down a, you know, a straight flat hill pretty yeah. fast, but there's no actual like adrenaline or, well, I'm not going to say no skill, but definitely, you know, it's more intense and more fun mountain biking as well as that you're in the mountains completely away from everything else. Yeah. Well, not so much recently. With like thousands of bikes being sold, yeah, it's kind of Jerryville up there. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, I've on only been trail. in this. I've only been in this for three months, and I consider myself not even a Jerry anymore. Like I'm, yeah, yeah I'd say that I can. Fair. I can pick out Jerry's. It kind of feels good. Yeah, with their helmets on backwards, and well, yeah. just anyone with an e-bike could be a Jerry in reality. But boom, that's just kind of my boom. opinion. But we we can change that. What, what, what do you What do you think, Colin? You know. I rode an e-bike on Monday and I was able to do 3000 feet of vert in an hour and I came down a downhill track and it was awesome. So that, that being said, I mean, e-bikes have their place. I think e-bikes have the potential of ruining access for everybody else. So there needs to be like a structured conversation. I feel like e-bikers are very much like, it you're you you've lowered the barriers of entry for people to get into mountain biking by giving them a motor and so you're opening yourself up to this whole new community of people and it's like you didn't really understand kind of the fight that mountain biking went through to even become allowed in the biking in the recreation community to begin with and so it's like well now you're just on a motor and you have no clue the years of work that people have put in building trails establishing relationships so they can have access private property, public land. So I don't know, it's just this weird combination, but I'm not anti-e-bike. I think there's a place for it. I think they're here to stay, but totally agree with you. I I would say by and large, a Jerry is much more interested in an e-bike now than a pedal bike. And they're not really paying their dues, if that's even a thing. Well, and I think that to go along with that, like, and that that adds to the whole beginner aspect of things is like they like you said they haven't been around and so the whole trail etiquette thing like yeah is not goes out the window yep because oh, yeah. the education not necessarily because they there. don't want to educate because they don't know yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. it's not like you show up to the trail i mean there's some trailheads that are like this but you don't show up to at least our local trails and there's a big sign that says here's trail etiquette for cyclists and so like like you said, that kind of ruins it for a lot of people. Like most of the trails around here are illegal for an e-bike because they're on forest service land. People don't know that, but and it's sold. not enforced really. Right. It's, and well. it's not enforced. Yeah. yeah like, and I don't think it should be. I mean, honestly, it, a, a, a pedal bike is a pedal bike. There's a big difference between having a gas motor and a pedal assisted electric even, engine even a throttle. Even a throttle. There's a big difference between pedal assist and a throttle. And I think that's where the education thing needs to come in. Exactly. And like forest service, because we were talking about this this another time was like forest service does need to step in and say they need to have a definition of rules because in reality, there's a lot of like, I guess you could say pedal bikes 
that don't just have the pedal assist. They have pedals, but they also have like the full blown throttle yeah, yeah. motor. Yep. Like and we it's saw like, a guy on the trail the other day with exactly. this little kid in front of him yeah. hitting the throttle. Yeah. And I I don't agree with that. And that, that's, that's a motorcycle. That's yeah. That, that's the thing is like, where do you draw the line? Because if you don't draw a line, then you will have, I mean, look at like the brands, like for example, cake and stuff now where they have fully electric, like big yeah. motorcycles in reality. Like I, I would assume you could get away with that at least here right now, right? Because the enforcements, like you could probably get away with something like that because it isn't loud. You're not yeah, drawing you attention. You probably could. The people around you, most of the people around you aren't going to turn you in or do anything about it because they're like, oh, it's another e-bike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and again, another education. When it's a total motorcycle, yeah. but yeah. Quick sediment on the e-bike. Um, my dad, he doesn't have any muscle below his knees. Hmm. His medical condition e-bike totally changed the way he was able to do things yeah and yeah sure that's cool whatever i've been able to use his e-bike to access skiing in the spring for example like there's been several places i've been able to ski because of an e-bike because all of a sudden i'm able to hop on this tool i'm able to access something i'm able to ski it in a different way instead of having to put in a 10 mile hike before i ski it's like i can just ride my e-bike i'm up in an hour there's a use for them. There's a right way to do it. It's going to take some leadership by the forest service, the BLM and honestly, local trail organizations to figure out how this interaction takes place. Personally, I have had very few bad interactions with e-bikes. I'm not saying that like people haven't had bad interactions. I totally see how an e-bike can cause issues but it's a it's a hard topic it really is yeah. like i don't i don't i don't personally own an e-bike probably won't buy one but if i'm 50 or 60 and just came off a knee surgery and i want to keep riding mm. i'm gonna go ride like i for it's example a rehab tool it's a rehab tool. and, and the thing is though and the thing is this, this is where the difference where the jerry's and the cyclists come in is like cyclists that have been cycling for years and then they get an e-bike because either they want to access things that they can't access on a normal bike or you know they're just getting to the age where they can't actually enjoy a normal bike anymore yeah yeah Yeah. like that's different because they already know the rules they've grown up yeah exactly biking culture whereas now you've got that lower barrier to entry as you were talking about colin where anybody can go now and get on one of these bikes and cycle up a again like a decently hard trail for example such as uh, as juniper up the canyon um with you know less trail etiquette or less knowledge and just send it up there like you know totally like they're pros yeah. but they're yeah. not totally you know and that's the thing i was i rode there's this trail in the logan canyon area called stump hollow it's probably my favorite trail like i've ridden in 10 countries it's one of my top five favorite trails and i ran into a guy and he is got every strava kom like out there on the mountain bike and he's getting up there in age. And it's like, I saw him ripping around on his e-bike and I was like, Whoa, like it was weird to see you on an e-bike. And he's just like, yeah, now I get to go with my wife. Now we get to go ride all these trails that she was never able to ride before. We're able to explore our backyard. And like you said, Connor, there, there's a good, there's just a balance there, you know, and, and the people who understand the biking culture up until now who get on an e-bike have, there's no issues with that particular person, but you know, how do you, you don't want to limit things. You know, we don't want to take away what we can do on public land. I don't, but at the same time, it's, 
people are going to make dumb mistakes and there's going to be repercussions. I don't know. Maybe we're blowing the whole e-bike thing out of the water. Maybe we're taking, you know, maybe we're blowing it way out of proportion. I don't know. I think that at least for the purpose of this episode, it's funny because like before we started, I was not super keen on talking about e-bikes, but as we sit here and talk about it, it's like, you know what? That's a huge part of beginner mountain biking right now because are you going to buy a pedal bike or are you going to buy an e-bike? Yeah. And judging by the amount of e-bikes I've been building lately, like there are more people buying those than there are people out buying standard full suspension bikes. So it's, well, it's kind of interesting. It's like, I don't know. I think it just goes down into human psychology. And the point that I made before is like half of the reason I hated, I shouldn't say hate, half the reason I disliked the, the overall mountain biking experience was just that push going uphill. So if you can eliminate that and create that human psychology of like, you know how satisfying it is when you have something that you need to do and it miraculously cancels how satisfying that is. That's like exact same principle for an e-bike. It's like you experience mm-hmm. the outdoors and the downhill. Guess what? The uphill is canceled for the most part. You still have to put a lot of effort in, but well, it depends on, on depends. But yeah, right. But it, it, at least it may be not completely canceled, but a, a large part of like the effort or getting the heart rate extremely high and getting exhausted maybe is canceled yeah. out or diminish you can take that edge off so that it's no longer like you don't what's the word i'm looking for um not that you don't hate it but like yeah you just don't you get don't, fatigued as much yeah you don't envy like not envy what's that? i can't think of lament word. yeah you don't like lament the uphill anymore yeah you don't dread it yeah you don't dread it you just you're yeah. like oh okay like that's fine now now you get to enjoy the scenery a little more instead of like the other day when I was with Connor and I was like, I looked at my heart rate. It was 193 and I'm like, this sucks. You yeah. know, just got, but man, you just got to embrace the suck. Well, yeah. Kinda like, embrace you know, the suck. By, Shout out Goggins. By middle of July, like the suck is not going to be as bad. But so, so here's another question. Like trail, because we kind of got on the trail etiquette topic. Trail etiquette for you guys. And Colin recently learned to mountain bike within the last five years, really. So how did you guys learn trail etiquette? Was it like, did you ask questions of people who knew? Did you, is some of it just like common sense to you? Like, how did you learn that stuff? I think the first part was, was just, it was the racing community, like the Intermountain Cup stuff that mm-hmm. we used to yeah, do as yeah. kids. Like, you know, you would be riding on the exact same loop or at least part of the same loop as the pros. So like you were, taught by the race organizers. You were obviously taught by your parents. Um, you know, certain rules applied to kids because they let, usually they let the kids out early. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, you would be lapped by pros and like, you've got a faster guy behind you, you pull over as soon as possible. And whether that's, you do that immediately or they yell at you to do so, you quickly learn what the rules are just by being completely involved in that community. Yeah. And I think again, just, just being out with the people that taught you how to bike also just know the rules. You're going up a trail in the canyon. Your dad is there. He tells you you need to pull over when there's somebody coming uphill. Yeah, that's like a it's great just, point. It's just those like, who you learn biking from, I think, and this goes for any sport, is how you learn the etiquette and if you're taught properly or not. Yeah, and now now instead of like the I-Cup races, it's all Nike. So now we've got all of these high school kids who – Hopefully their coaches are teaching them proper etiquette and they're following it. I know I've had run-ins with Nike kids where they come screaming down and just yell like, Strava, Strava, Strava. 
And it's like, dude, you're, this is high school. You're not racing. Like you need to calm down. I think that'd be an ego thing too, right? Like these kids kind of think they're hot shit and then, yeah. But that being said, like, yeah, the, the racing, if you're into racing at a young age, you're definitely going to learn. Yeah. Like Scott, what, what do you think? No, I just, I, I picked up most of it from Connor over here. I, I really had no clue, kind of clueless. Um, it's one of those things just like any other sport, whether it's skiing, surfing, it's mostly like word of mouth etiquette that you pick up yeah, from yeah. people. Um, but like even in the surf community, um, like a lot of that, if it's not coming off a competition, local spots are just staked out and etiquette is local etiquette, you know, kind yeah. of things like that. I think there's a lot of that exists in, in biking too. So just kind of tagging along with you guys and figuring out what's what which might be intimidating for new people coming into it, but it's not rocket science. You can pick up on stuff. And the local argument is pretty important too, because, you know, again, some rules that we might've picked up here, they could be completely different in Europe. They could be completely different in Canada. It's the same with like different beaches and surfing in Australia, in Europe and in America, stuff might be different. So I think you just got to observe and find in a spot and I'm clueless. Just ask. I think it's the easiest yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so, what what have you guys found has been hard besides besides the uphill, Scott? What what have you found to be like hard or frustrating or kind of a steep learning curve or whatever in in mountain biking? Uh, that's a good question. I think um, really just focusing more on that downhill. Like I said at the beginning of how it always get wrecked and really focusing in on how much technique matters on the downhill, not only for your fun, but for your safety. And, um, that's even though, uh, yeah, it going down is a lot more satisfying. It, it is hard. Just it, for me, it took a lot more repetition, just figuring out what to do exactly to make it flow how you want it to and make it feel how you want it to. Like mm-hmm. I what would on skis or things like that. Yeah. So honestly, where I thought the uphill would be the hardest, kind of getting back into biking, the downhill has been the hardest, but it's been the most fun also. I think that's a good point. Like you come from, and there's probably other people that are the same way. They come from a very high level of other sports like skiing. You and Connor are both amazing skiers. And you come from being that good at skiing where it doesn't matter the mountain, doesn't matter what part of the mountain you see it and you can excel at whatever that part is. Whereas the mountain biking, like you go from a high level and then you kind of get humbled, you know? Yeah. It's definitely humbling. You have to, this is totally different. You have to learn that like, you just can't send everything you see. Just like you said on skis, like you really have to take baby steps and slow down and work your way back up, which can be frustrating. But once you figure out that's the game, uh, I've prevented a lot more injuries. Thank goodness. Knock on wood. Yeah. I still had a, 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 I've eaten it a fair amount of time still, but just haven't had catastrophic failures. Thank goodness. Yeah. What about you, Colin? Like what, when you first started mountain biking, because Colin kind of got into mountain biking because he was more or less pushed into it because you got a job you were supposed to be like in camping. And then they, they were like, actually, never mind. You're going to be in bikes. And like you picked up a bike and started. So like, Totally. No, and that that's a that's exactly how it happened. Um, you know, and I grew up mountain biking a little bit as a kid. Like my dad took me to Moab a half, you know, half dozen times. And he was on the shred crew on the and, vacant lot. And we were on the, the vacant <laughs> lot shred crew, um, where my neighbor one day tried to charge me five dollars to go 
shred at the vacant lot. <laughs> saw, dude. Anyways, <laughs> wasn't Scott. As cool as Scott thinks I'd be, it was not Scott. Anyways, I digress from that. Um, you know, and so I, I always had this outside view of mountain biking and I, I dabbled in it a little bit. And just being an outdoor enthusiast, it's hard to ignore mountain biking because it's such a complimentary sport to other things that you're already doing. If you're out hiking or backpacking or whatever it is, you see mountain biking. You you can't be in the outdoors now and not notice mountain biking as a sport. And so I kind of always had this peripheral view of mountain biking, but you know, I, exactly. I was just kind of pushed into it. It was like, oh, hey, you're going to be working in bikes. And I thought, well, you know, I probably ought to just embrace it. This is always something I've really wanted to grab a hold and commit to. And I, I did. I just, I, I got a bike. I started riding all the time. And I just figured the best way that I was going to be able to do my job properly and inform people on bikes was just riding them. So um, what did you find difficult or frustrating or whatever when you first started mountain biking? Totally. Um, you know, I think the hardest thing I found was just kind of, it, exactly, it was going from other thing, other activities I was doing at that time, I was at a decently high level and it was really humbling to get put down at square one and, you know, get the fitness, get the, the technique down like Scott talked about, get, you know, even just the basic mechanical skills. It's like, oh, my derailleur sounds weird or, wow, my, my tubeless tires are flat. Like, how do I fix that? Because it's not just this thing where I think we've got skiing down to the point where it's like you just kind of click in your ski boots and you're good to go. Sure, there's some waxing, there's some maintenance, but it's not like a bike where it's like you have bearings, you have moving parts, you have chains, you have to clean, you have to lubricate, you have to keep everything organized in order. You know, you crash and it's like you you break a brake lever and it's like, oh, that was an $80 crash. Yeah. You know, and that, that was kind of hard to not admit that, but just to fully embrace it for what it is and stick that's with it. part of the sport. It's part of the sport. You know, things you're gonna, happen and you're going to have to get used to it. You're going to, you're going to break stuff. You're going to ruin stuff. And, but thankfully at that point, when, when that started happening a little bit, it was like the sport was already paying dividends to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take your question and flip it though. I think the thing that's, that was previously the hardest that has become more fun was the pain of going uphill. The big game changer on that is data. Having a watch, a smartwatch that can track the data mm, of, yeah. of exactly what is going on in that ride, heart rate, pace, all that uh, exact GPS location, that just, for me, removed all the suck out of it completely and just made it fun because you're uh, before where that was just this unquantitative value out there and it just sucked. Now it's like you can put numbers to why it sucked and make it suck less. Yeah. So that's I where I came into it for the downhill now I enjoy the uphill way more because like, it's the game against myself and trying yeah, to keep yeah. up with Connor. And that's been the biggest surprise coming into it is, holy cow, the uphill is the funnest part of this, which was surprising for me. Interesting. I mean, like to go along with that too, having a tool like Strava, even though they're making us pay for a bunch of features now, which is good and bad, but like, you know, it comes up, you finish riding, it's like, oh, PR. Oh, that's cool. And lately, like most of my PRs have been uphill segments because the trails are crowded, so I'm not going as fast down. 
but it's cool to be like, wow, this is the best I've ever done. It's not just the best I've done this year, but like I'm going up this segment better than I have in the past three years, you know, since yeah. I started using it. Or like it. before it was like, oh man, my heart's just beating hard. It's like, oh, it's beating 10 beats less per minute than it was three weeks ago. Yeah, Things like yeah. that. It's just really satisfying. And it eliminates those unknowns of just like, oh, it's painful. Yeah. It's nice. Well, and you can see that it's paying dividends too. Like that that's where you can see the actual dividends paying off. It's like, oh, you're not just feeling better. You can see it under watch. You're like, okay, well, yeah. this I'm just as fast as I was last week. And it took me 80% of the effort yeah. to yeah. get up there. Um or for the same effort, you went 10% yeah, faster. Exactly. Yeah. I either or. Um I think in terms of getting back into biking, the most challenging thing for me is is the downhill part, actually. I think as Scott was saying, like being comfortable in one sport like skiing or or anything else, like you, you're used to sending anything and knowing where your limits are. And I think this comes down to both a, you know, just a, 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 I guess a physical and skills perspective, but it's also like a trusting your gear. And I think trusting like to know what your gear is going to do in a certain situation. Yeah. So like if, I, if I'm sending it off something on skis or I'm, I'm making a turn, like I know what pressure to put on it in any given condition. Whereas now biking, that's the new challenge. It's like, okay, if I rip around and turn too hard, going this fast or that angle, I could flip over, I could like slide inside. So I think like pushing your bike to the limit and seeing like how much it can handle. And then like, you know that you can put it out there on a berm and it will carry you back. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main thing. It's it's a trust relationship, I think with your gear and your skills. Um. And yeah, coming from just such a high level of skiing into biking now, it's like, oh, like I actually need to do very similar things. Like I was following you, Gil, on the stump trail the other day and I didn't lean back as much as I should have. And I almost, you know, went over the handlebars on a lot of those jumps. But it's it's literally the same as skiing, you know, lean back, absorb it, keep going if you want to or pop early. But definitely don't be timid. I think that's the one thing I've learned so far in biking is when you do, and this is the same as skiing, if you are fear full of crashing and you are scared of something and you break before it or you lean forward to compensate that's when the accidents happen yeah instead of completely just going forward and fully committing to something yeah, sure like you true. might make a mistake afterwards but like you're going to be in a better position than tensing and then and holding back yeah yeah and that's a perfect segue into another topic that i wanted to hit was like how have you felt the gear has helped or hindered you or like because scott and connor are both currently on like their dad's bikes and your old trek compared to what you're riding now or like scott's old hard rock that was stolen <laughs> oh yeah you <laughs> stolen in a church parking lot yeah yeah how about religious. <laughs> good grief but like but how how have you felt the equipment has changed has changed whether it's the bike or the watch glasses whatever how have you felt equipment like play a role in your experience i i think it's i would come into it a similar view in skiing like we like growing up you know we never had I guess you could say the top of the line gear because our parents just didn't know any better, right? Like skis were skis. That was it, right? And I think I now just have the same attitude in a way, obviously, to biking. Whereas like 
me as the person is going to be able to do a lot more with that particular bike than say like somebody who isn't as skilled with a way better bike than I am. Mm -hmm. So I kind of treat it as in like, look, if I can make it up the hill and I, and I can be in physically good shape or whatever, there's like a, you know, I can take that bike pretty, pretty far. And then once you reach a certain level, it's like, okay, well now then you can start to look at a bike that would be safer downhill, would be more suited to your riding style. And I think that just comes with like, I would say even just earning it. Like that's the way I look at it is like when we were skiing, we were on terrible skis and we were still winning races. And it's like, once yeah. you graduate to something after that, it's like, whoa, yeah. now I can understand respect where the gear comes into it. But before actually being like a really good rider, I don't think I would like make that step up. Yeah. Until well, that. And you, since you've started again, you haven't, you really only ridden that one bike. Right. Yeah. And that's, and it's a 10 year old bike and it still feels amazing compared to that Trek. Exactly. But yeah. it's, you know, I, I don't ha know how good or whatever it would feel on a brand new carbon bike or yeah. whatever. Right. And from the sounds of, from like what you've said on trail so far, the thing that you've noticed would make the biggest difference are some better brakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. More responsive brakes and knowing I'm not going to slide out of the end of a turn or whatever. Yeah. Like, what about you, Scott? Like, how have you felt gear has played? A role in this in i your think experience. i i think it's just evolved like crazy to the point where if you're really good at biking like you guys you've been around it a long a long time you can really appreciate how far everything has come use it to your advantage for all your techniques and your advanced riding but i think it's at a point where maybe 10 15 years ago uh getting into biking it, the technology technological advances were like not there that much they're still a long way from yeah. the 90s and 80s but biking was still uncomfortable of enough enough sport to push a lot of people away from it. Yeah. Now you have all the fun gadgets and things like that to where kind of going all the way back to the e-bikes, but even less than just the technology on a normal bike that you can pick up for 15 to 2000 bucks is insane. And it makes the whole process a lot more enjoyable for just a normal ride. So I think uh, I totally see what Connor's saying with his point that uh, you need to kind of get some exposure before you can really tell what good gear versus not good gear is doing for you. But I think how far things have come, uh, has made it good across the board for everybody. Yeah. It's a little more expensive than maybe in previous, but it's just made it better. Just yeah. the, the new bikes that I've been able to ride, um, in the past year or so is they've been insane. It's just made, it's like you're riding a magic carpet down, uh, or the, the Hills. It's, it's so cool compared to old stuff. So, yeah. So, um, I don't know exactly how long we've been going, but we'll kind of wrap things up. So, um, like usual, I'm going to, I want three, three pieces of gear that you are super stoked on right now for mountain biking. And we'll exclude Colin from this, this time, because he did it last time. But so let's start with Scott. What are three pieces of gear that you're super stoked on right now? Uh, first is the one by shifter. Super stoked on that. Super dope. Um, it just makes things so mindless in, in the shifting your technique going uphill. Second, the dropper post that just makes like going downhill. Like it's like a Swiss army knife. Like you can just get in there, dissect exactly what you want on the hill. And third are clip pedals because 
I've seen the coolest crashes I've ever seen with people <laughs> wearing clip pedals. Shout out, Jake. You know who you are, dude. <laughs> so, so, so that that was pretty good. Let's <laughs> let's do one more then. Since right. you said that, let's do let's no. do one more. Yeah, no, I think in the twenty nine inch wheels, uh, that going uphill is, is like amazing. Just how much uh, torque you can really get out of um, having or it feels how much torque you can get out of a, of a wheel going uphill, having the larger wheels and just the more stability. So kind of just the main components of the bike, which is crazy what just expanding things out a couple inches or being able to move up the seat up and down. But those are, have been the biggest differences for me, for sure. They made it really fun because it makes a noticeable difference on the performance going up and down the hill. Sweet. Connor, I think overall, this is probably more of a fitness thing, but honestly the watch, like the Apple watch that I have, or just any fitness tracker, for example, yeah, like has really, I've always hated jewelry and just having things in my wrist. And I just kind of got this through work, but having it motivate you in a way of like, I need to get this done today. I need to close those rings as stupid as it may sound. It really builds a habit of getting out on the trail and like going for a ride in the morning or the evening. And I think it just encourages activity and and these days, now that we've got a, a group of friends that ride biking, it kind of brings you together in a way. Yeah. Um, I would say maybe the second thing that I haven't really experienced yet, I probably just need to try one of your bikes and see like how good it is to be on like a 29 inch for a ride. Um, because again, that, like that bike is good. It's a Santa Cruz, it's like, but it's like a 25 and a half inch, like 26 or 26, uh, you know, it's a 10 year old it's bike. It's old. It is nowhere. Yeah. It does not resemble a Santa Cruz yeah. from the last five years. And that's the thing is like, I'm kind of like, okay, like I, I'm keeping on pushing these PRs, like going up Green Canyon, like how much faster would I be if I had like a 29er yeah. and like a light bike? Um, and the other thing that I've only started to really appreciate now is honestly going camo in the chamois. Like I used to wear like tights underneath that thing, but, you know, just letting uh -huh. them hang and like having that really close to skin eliminates a lot of you know a lot of uh a lot of chafing which is you know ideal for sure yeah psa for everyone you don't wear underwear under your chamois let them fly boys <laughs> <laughs> okay so on that note that's the end of this episode on beginner mountain bikes um if you want to check out everyone's stuff uh connor is what are you on instagram at connor line. at connor dot line and Scott. stay hard and uh scotty g ski that's s-c-o-t-t-y-g-s-k-i uh i need more followers than my mom's cat so send me <laughs> all the love you can give me man i don't post though so no hard feelings if you don't enjoy the the i don't know the offerings i have on my pages and colin Colin's been on the show, but at Colin underscore child or un child underscore Colin. Child Colin. Child Colin. Huh? Colin with two L's and no S in the end of child. <laughs> and um, and also, if you want to, Connor, is your website still up? It is. Yeah. So C-O-N-O-R uh, slash dash 
I think it's dash, dash. horizontal line, uh, dash L Y N E.com. So yeah, Connorline.com is still there. You can go definitely see, need to update it, but I've got a lot of, you, know, you can go see pictures of Colin or of Connor from 2014 carrying the Irish flag, like, like a little wiener, but <laughs> <laughs> glad, glad to know going to the Olympics makes you a wiener. <laughs> we'll talk. Zing. We'll talk about that in another episode. So yeah, that's it. Peace.